Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. It's coming up to 9.01. You're on Triple R, the show is Radio Marinara. My name is Dr. Beach. Good morning to you all and good morning to my co-presenters. Good morning, Dr. Beach. How are we today? I'm very well, Kate. How are you? And, and good morning. Awesome. The cabin boy is in. Oh, he is in. Jesse, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's been active. Well, good to see you've made the trip down from Phillip Island. Yeah, I guess I've left the island. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And Cabin Boy, you look like um, you don't have any broken legs or anything after last Sunday after Community Cup. Uh, well, every bone, muscle, sinew was aching on the Monday, Tuesday, and I'm just getting over it now. So, yeah. Fantastic day, though. It Fantastic was. day. And the Megahertz won, of course, by two points. They did, but before we go any further, of course, we have to thank the beautiful Tim Thorpe for another wonderful Vital Bits. And, um, yeah, I apologise for barging on the studio a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got a fun show, fun pack show coming up today on Radio Marinara. Um, we're going to be joined in the studio pretty soon by um, Jim Walsh. Jim Walsh is somebody who you may remember was on the show. I, well, I, went out, I was lucky enough to go out on a tugboat with Jim a few years ago and record a little um, a piece there as he was bumping in and bumping out a few ships. And then Jim came into the studio oh, a couple of years ago, I think, and talked about the plight of seafarers. And we're going to have Jim back in. This morning to continue the discussion about seafarers. In fact, it's a bit of a seafarers um, theme today. We've got um, the mission to seafarers coming in after that. But Jim and I are going to talk about, well, all of us with Jim, yeah. um, about an abandoned oil rig off the north, which is called the um, the Northern Endeavour. And then, Brett, after that, we've got the mission to seafarers coming in. Yeah, I um, I caught up with a couple of mates down South Bank. Noisy bars, they drove us nuts. We couldn't kind of catch up. And uh, we ended up at the mission to seafarers. They've got a little bar there that's open to the public that... People should know about. No one really knows about it. It is a magnificent building, and um, it was a quiet little drink there that we caught up with everyone. Yeah, yeah. So, um, top of Flinders Street, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, right down towards the Docklands. So, uh, at the end of Flinders Street, there. So, yeah. uh, um, and as narrator mimed, it does have that domed ceiling. It does, so and it unfortunately, someone stole the weather vane off it. So, um, there's a big reward to find that out. Oh. So, we'll um, we're going to have a chat to the CEO Philip Cornish all about things to do with the mission to seafarers. And then um, to wrap up the show, we've got Jess, Fair- Jess Fairfax coming in from the Werribee River Association. Uh, Jess is going to be joined by John Forrester, who's the Werribee River Keeper, and they're going to um, talk about what's happening down the Werribee River. And also, they've got a, um, a potluck coming up. Pot fluck, potluck. <laughs> pot, potluck, I said then, with an, with an, with a, with, with an L. Uh, potluck to, um, to celebrate um, the beginning of Plastic Free July. Um, that's going to happen on July the 2nd. But, um, yeah, Jess and um, John are going to tell us all about that. So it's, yeah, lots happening on the show today. And let's have a little... Cade, have you got some... What's happening with the weather? The weather's going to be pretty consistent for the next week. Um, if 13's your unlucky number, I just would advise not going outside for the next week because it's pretty much going to be 13 every day. It's yeah. going to vary between a little bit of sun, a little bit of rain, but otherwise, you know... Cold mornings, 13 during the day, you know, you know what you're in for. It's consistent at least. That's yeah. how every weather forecast should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sharp and succinct. Yeah. Well, the way they used to do the weather forecast was like what it is today is what it's going to be tomorrow. So yeah. that theory is working well here. For those out on the water, um, 
the for the tides when the show finishes around 10 o'clock it's going to be high tides at port phillip heads and the low tide's going to be at around 2:56 this afternoon if you're looking for a wave there's a bit of swell around it's about three or four foot so you should be able to find a spot to go and if you're a melbourne supporter there's um about 10 to 30 inches of snow at the moment varying from wet to powder <laughs> is, is that directed at me Oh, look, I'm having a bit of fun in the studio. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a Collingwood supporter, where should you go? Uh, the, skate, the skate ball. The skate ball, yeah. yeah. And there's no rain today, so perfect conditions at the skate ball. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I went to the, I'm a Richmond supporter and I went to the footy last night. So oh, gee, that was still a, a ginger. Game. It was a fantastic oh, Yeah, it was really good they came we, back. But yeah, we don't talk about footy. We don't talk about footy. Only no, if it's no. Community Cup. So Only yes. if it's Community <laughs> Cup, that's right. Yeah, and I am pleased that Melbourne won a game. <laughs> Um, news. I, I, you've got a bit of news, Kay, but before we get to that, I'd just like to, I don't know, shout out to Cherie Maris and the rest of the people that have been doing Southern Ocean Live on the ABC. I watched that the other night. It was amazing. People who are listening, um, regular listeners to this show, will be aware of the spider crab migration. And one of the wonderful things that um, was portrayed on that show the other night, I mean, they've got divers down under the water, Cherie Maris and other people talking to the audience live. Many people will have watched it, I'm sure. But I was just blown away by that scene with Cherie under Black Gary Pier, I guess, guess it was, with the spider crabs. And there she was with the camera on her. And then all of a sudden this beautiful smooth ray came in, almost on cue, and settled down onto the sand right in front of the camera and with her. It was yeah, just, just amazing television, I thought, and really wonderful to see that kind of stuff getting out to a really really broad audience yeah and it was i had family ring me up and say oh you have to watch that that was amazing and so it is reaching a target audience because my family don't care a thing about what i do when i talk to them (laughs) so it's really nice that it gets them cut through somewhere else yeah my family's still after like 13 and 14 he's still doing that radio show where do you think i should listen to that sometime (laughs) (laughs) saying that i just text my mum to say listen in for We, we still need the approval of that family, yeah. don't we? Always. <laughs> Cade, news from your end? I do have some news. So um, I guess I've got two two scales of news. So we're going to get Dave Donnelly on later just for a quick talk about whales and the Phillip Island Whale Festival. So that's kicking off next weekend on the 1st. So if you want to see big stuff, that's going on. But if you want to see... Big stuff, that, that's a nice technical term. <laughs> it is, yeah. Oh, I'm scientist here. Yeah. yeah. If you want to see small stuff... The Sea Slug Census kicks off next weekend as well, and that runs through from the 1st to the 10th of July. So that's 10 days of people basically, you know, self-led going out and taking photos of sea slugs here, there, and everywhere. And you don't need to be a diver to get involved, just do a bit of rock pool rambling to get on board. And I guess in other news, the crabs have... No, the crabs are thinning out, which is not a personal statement. It's about the ones in the bay. Mm-hmm. And they've sort of done most of their molting and are starting to... Um, basically make their way out of the bay successfully so i think there's still some around at the moment so if divers get an opportunity you know find out where they are and get on board or okay we're not getting elodie the on, the, on the um show today but maybe next week we can get a bit of a um bit of a wrap up a bit of a wrap up from yeah. elodie um when she's on Cabin Boy, any news from um, your quarters of the world except for recovering from... Uh, well, good news. The uh, the Australian Wooden Boat Festival is happening down in Hobart next year. So uh, they've put out an expression of interest. So that's all back on together. Uh, nothing much else. Um, sad to see the Steve Irwins left for Newcastle too. Uh, 
they used to be docked down at Seaworks down in Williamstown, and I think they're... I'm not quite sure. There was a bit of political backing and forthing and that, so uh, they've cast off and uh, headed up to Newcastle for a new home port, which is a sad loss for our um, kind of maritime kind of precinct down in Williamstown. Okay. Yeah, it's a sad loss. Estamos escuchando Radio Marinara en 3RRR. Indeed, it's 3 R. the show's Radio Marinara Cabin Boy. We just had a um, span a bit of vinyl then. Sp- span a bit of vinyl? Span a bit of vinyl? Yeah, that was White Cross there. Deep is the ocean. Very deep though, isn't it, huh? It is. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice connection. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are the show about all things wet and salty here on Radio Marinara. And speaking of wet and salty, we have a salty sea dog with us this morning. We have Jim Walsh joining us in the studio. Jim, how are you? Good, thanks, Dr. Beach. That's very good Cabin to Cabin boy. Good morning. And Kate. Kate, Kate, Kate. Hi, Kate. And we've got a full studio. We've got an to panelling. It's, it's, it's a party in here. <laughs> Listeners may remember Jim. Um, Jim kindly invited me out on a tugboat that um, he works on in... Um, in our Docklands, that was about a few years ago, wasn't it, Jim? It when could I, have been three years ago, post uh, pre-COVID. Oh, yeah, oh, it was pre-COVID, yeah. Um, when it, that was um, a really fun afternoon, bumping in a couple of ships, bumping um, bumping out a couple. In fact, I think we only did two in one day. It was for me. It was a real insight into the complexities of moving these huge vessels around and what you have to do. Is that the correct term, bumping in and bumping out? I think it was. Or is that just... Uh, Hoppo-bumpo can be one of the terms that's used sometimes when we're training people. Um, shipping's just getting bigger and uh, ships are just getting huge these days, just fitting into uh, the port of Melbourne. They struggle sometimes. What, you do, what have you done this weekend, work-wise? Uh, work, I've just uh, finished. I'm off on a bit of leave this uh, next couple of weeks, Dr Beach. Um, just the usual. Sometimes it's uh, been a bit quieter. Uh, for shipping recently. It comes and goes with the time of the year, relevant to different things, I suppose. Uh, the Port of Melbourne, I think, has seen very an increase in shipping. I just see recently that, uh, you know, there's a shortage of containers worldwide, or not so much a shortage, but uh, con- empty containers are in the wrong places in the world. Oh, yeah, the supply chain issue is something that, yeah, we're all aware of. I mean, even trying to order. Well, I see they're um, loading cotton as a break bulk which is not containerized but put into the hatches of ships first time in quite a period of time not too sure maybe over 50 years before since they've done that so what so does cotton that used actually to be, mean sorry yeah cotton used to be in containers and now it's not just in a bulk loader or something no well, once upon a time most things were loaded into ships bits and pieces break bulk um what's break bulk break bulks when you've got a ship with a big hatch that may be filled with grain or or most ships are designed to take this or that, but break bulks when they put bits and pieces, maybe timber and boxes. And Think of a traditional period where they used to load stuff in a net, then stack things in a hatch as opposed to a containerisation. And Cabin Boy, just a couple of weeks ago, you were um, sort of talking about we, containers, shipping containers, and how it's yeah, come did. out in the 50s. So it's coming around again. No, we did talk about the uh, how containers, and uh, what's it called? It's called intermodal freight transport kind of changed the world because of that. So, yeah, so it's interesting that we're still having trouble with the container ships around the world. Well, that's right. Container ships uh, just got larger and larger, and a lot of ports in the world have been forced to... Uh, Modified to cope with these large ships, we see you know the ever aground ships uh, in the Suez Canal and Mississippi aground, and uh, these container ships carrying fifteen thousand odd containers are just massive. Mm. Four hundred metres long, they can't fit into Melbourne for multiple reasons. Jim, last time you were on the show, you were talking about um, the plight of seafarers. I think it was one in between one of the lockdowns and um, in COVID, and of course during that whole global pandemic time, it was a terrible time for the for the sailors that work the sea. 
Yeah, seafarers, you know, up to 200,000 seafarers stuck on ships is, um, you know, worldwide as an issue. Not only the issue about people stuck on ships, but of course the people that are stuck at home become unemployable. And, uh, you know, they find other jobs and when it's time for people to get a relief, when it's possible to get a relief through COVID, uh, people aren't available and there's a worldwide shortage of uh, seafarers as well because, um, you know, people are forced to go to other things and now it's just an ongoing supply chain repercussions that we see all through COVID. Yeah, terrible stuff. So it is continuing that sort of... It, we, we hear stories in the, in the media about people who haven't been able to get off ships, get onto shore... Um, and, of course, yeah, the families that they're leaving behind, it must all be um, quite a, a, a difficult... I mean, it's, it's an amazing understatement, but a very difficult life. So well, I can imagine there's a lot of people not wanting to work in that field anymore as well. Well, people probably desperate need to work in that field. That's what they do. They're coming from countries where opportunities are probably less. You know, I think we spoke about last time, the likes of the Russians are some of the chiefest seafarers in the world. You know, Filipinos traditionally have been uh, large numbers, seafarers worldwide... Um, you know, Bangladeshis, there's Indians, there's a lot of uh, third world people that are, you know, persecuted. I just uh, one of the subjects we spoke about outside before Dr Beach was the oil and gas. We see the offshore oil and gas industry, you know, one shipment of uh, oil and gas, so oil, sorry, one shipment of gas out of northwestern Australia is worth about $200 million. And those companies uh, can't afford to employ Australians. So, you know, it's all about greed as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and something else we wanted to talk about this morning was an oil platform, which is um, moribund, I guess. There's a kind word for it about 500 kilometres northwest of Darwin in the Timor Sea, and this is called the Northern, Northern Endeavour. I was checking it out last night after you were... Um, mentioned it to me and the last mention in the news was about a year and a half ago this platform um, which has been essentially abandoned now and you can trace it back to that's it's nature it's rotting nature back to government mistakes probably and also woodside petroleum so what's your well, stand we, on this first of all the northern endeavor just a little, little bit of an introduction for people who have not heard of it so the northern endeavor is an fpso which is a floating production storage and offloading facility uh, these ships or barges or converted uh, things that are put in the ocean, they float, they're connected to the bottom of the floor through what's called a riser. In regard to the Northern Endeavour, it was uh, 1999, I think Woodside put it out there. They uh, multiple wells feed into manifolds and then feed into from different fields into the riser. Uh, the oil and gas is taken on board um, in regard to the Northern Endeavour. Uh, it's separated and the gas is flared off or maybe used in some of the production. Some of these facilities put the gas back down, pump it ashore. It always amazes me that that gas is just burnt off when we have a shortage of gas. I'm sure there are sort of fine details which I'm not aware of of why you can't ship that gas, but it always just astounds me. Well, it's a long distance, 500 kilometres offshore. It's a lot of pipe to get it ashore. Yeah. Uh, maybe the field, the richness of the field, such that uh, just lends itself to the oil. Of course, we're, we hear all the time gas-led recovery, but here it is, all this gas getting pumped off. Um, you know, I think Woodside pay about 1.5% tax. But anyway, uh, Woodside <laughs> sold... Uh, the Northern Endeavour to a, a very small outfit uh, was allowed to sell, we might say, yeah. mm. uh, in 2015, I believe it was, and uh, Northern Oil and Gas Australia was the organisation. They had no offshore facilities in their history, that very uh, small backings, well, hundreds of millions of dollars in the bigger picture, but regarding the, uh, the whole industry, it's pretty small fish. Um, they tried to operate the field... 
Um, you know, these ships, as I said, sit there, take the oil on board, shuttle tankers come and offload it and take it to, for processing, mainly overseas. You know, we don't really process oil in Australia anymore. Um, the NOPSEMA, which is the governing body to overlook these things, determined that uh, they weren't operating in a safe manner and basically shut the field down in 2019. There were creditors involved. Unfortunately, the company liquidated, uh, folded, with a whole lot of liabilities. And this is one of the problems that uh, Woodside were allowed to sell up uh, and deny, remove all their li financial liabilities in regard to uh, their obligations to cleaning up the seafloor and so forth. And that, yeah, so the, so the nub of the matter is that Woodside sort of got out of this. They, they, should, they were prepared to clean it up, I gather, but then they had this cheap offer to, or kind of like, Okay, okay, sell it to these people who were inexperienced and then they were incapable of doing the clean-up. And so the government then took it upon themselves to do this, whereas I think it was one of the senators, um, what's his name? Rex Patrick. Rex Patrick, yeah, who um, did not get re-elected, but Rex Patrick, who was still there till the end of June, he's a senator from South Australia, as he said, they could have just 50, um, was it $50 million only they were going to... Um, they could have sold it to, the government could have paid $50 million to that second company to clean it up, but didn't happen. And now they're left with a bill, which is going to be like a billion dollars. Well, I think the bill's going to be yours and mine, Dr. Beach. Yeah. It's the reality at the moment. They're claiming there's a tax, uh, 48, 48 cents per barrel has been put on the oil industry to help subsidise this sort of thing. Um, obviously, you take a ship away, it looks like it's cleaned up, but the obligation to clean up the ocean floor and all the pipe work, there's 500 kilometres of pipe work or something running between two wells. I might be wrong about that, but less. Um, you know, these things need to be cleaned up properly. They can't just put a, a lid off your drink bottle on top of these wells to seal them. They've got to be sealed in time, perpetuity. And uh, the obligation, the fact that the government allowed it to be sold as such, uh, not SEMA, supposed to be a governing body controlling and ensuring the safety of all this stuff allowed to be sold. And, of course, Woodside, who seem to be a pretty powerful organisation, we see some recent stuff in the news, um, uh, we're happy to sell it and re reduce their liability. And then there's all that infrastructure which is still left there, things which might be seeping out and, you know, who knows what. Well, that, well, that's right. You wouldn't know. It's, what, 380 metres deep in the water there. I, I don't know if it's seeping out, but uh, long term you wouldn't know what the what can occur, and that's why the importance of uh, cleaning these things up properly is, and that's why it's a billion dollars plus. Yeah, terrible situation. Um, Jim, anything else that you want to um, talk about on the waters before we... Uh no, no, I'm looking forward to your next guest. Uh, obviously, uh, Mission Seaman guest there is uh, the CEO. is uh, such an important organisation, uh, Kate spoke about having a beer. Was cabin boy spoke about having a beer down at Mission of Seaman. You know, there's a lot of seafarers that go down there for a relief, and uh, I look forward to hearing what he's got to say. Indeed, we've got um, yeah, we've got Philip Cornish coming on after this. So, Jim Walsh, thank you very much for enjoying. Cabin boy, did you have a question? I was just going to say, taking it back to your tug thing, what's your area of responsibility? Do you leave the Yarra River, or yeah? So. Um the tugs are a harbour towage mm -hmm. organisation. We're not really ocean towage. Uh, they used to used to be involved with the salvage contract available for the south coast of Australia. Any requirement salvage, the tugs would be utilised. These days, it's just all harbour towage. Um, we if there's an if there's an issue down uh, Port Phillip, 
down at the rip or somewhere like that, we might have to go down and escort a ship. Most of it's just uh, from the breakwater in, or sometimes we just go outside of uh, Jelly Brand and pick up the ships just outside there. So the pilot brings it in, then once uh, the pilot's off, do you take over responsibility or...? No, no, so the pilot will join the vessel um, at the pilot boarding ground, which is outside the rip, mm-hmm. Queenscliff there. Um, they offer the safe navigation of the vessel down Port Phillip, and then they will contact the, the tug and bring us on board, and uh, we talk, put a line up or what's required, and then under the direction of the pilot, uh, operate them. Yeah, those pilot boats, I, that, that's one thing I really want to you go on. You want to go out there next? I, I yeah, want to go I'm, on with you there. I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying for you, Dr Beach, I'm trying for you. And if there are any um, Port Phillip Sea pilots out there that would like a guest. Yeah. That, no, uh, four seats. Four, yeah. four seats, <laughs> please. The Marinara Christmas parties. <laughs> the Marinara Christmas <laughs> party. Well, yeah, I don't know if you know, but there's multiple pilot companies in Port Phillip these days. There used to be only one for many years, now there's two and there's a room there's going to be three, so yeah. we might be able to wave to each other from different boats. Jim Fantastic. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Wayne Lynch, and you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR. You sure are. Uh, it's 9.27. My name's Dr Beach. I'm joined by Cade and Cabin Boy in the studio today. Um, but we also have on the telephone right now, we have Dave Donnelly from Killer Whales Australia. How are you going, Dave? Good morning, Doctors Mills and Beach. My favourite beach in local Mornington. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Cabin Boy. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, now, Dave, what's going on? I hear there's a few whale tails out there at the moment. It's heating up in the ocean. It is certainly picking up. We're just on approach to the peak of the humpback whale migration, uh, moving south, sorry, moving north from Antarctic waters all the way up to Queensland, and they are passing by our Mornington Peninsula coast and Phillip Island and the Bass Coast, very close to shore, so some great opportunities for whale watchers and citizen scientists. Well, it's nice that you dropped Phillip Island in there because basically we got you on to do a bit of a promo for the upcoming Phillip Island Whale Festival. What's going to be going on at the Phillip Island Whale Festival next weekend, Dave? Well, how exciting is this, Caden? Since uh, we were shut down by COVID. So, I uh, blow, yeah, okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> so, the festival will be happening next weekend uh, from the 1st of July through to the 3rd, um, with most of the action happening on. There'll be all sorts of things to do. Of course, whale watching, whale spotting with myself and my colleagues. Uh, there's a bunch of science presentations, school school program activities with our education guides. Um, of course, there's whale watching on board the vessels down there if you're lucky enough to book on. Um, and uh, we've just got so much going on, it's hard to list it all in one go. I'm looking forward to it, being someone that's down there. And one of the things I actually forgot to mention today is that there's the um, Amos Roach and HCMNE, which I don't have the um, expanded version of what that means, are hosting the Yaraba Dancers in Melbourne today um, down at St Kilda Foreshore this Sunday at 4 o'clock. But they're also going to be at Phillip Island for the Whale Festival too, aren't they, Dave? Absolutely. We have a fantastic connection with the uh, traditional owners of, of, the, of the region, being the Boonarong, uh, and we're so happy to have uh, not only that, but also the, the opening of the festival as a smoking ceremony, um, as it always is. So it's, it's a great connection. Fantastic. So that's next week. Yeah, the Yarrabah Dancers down at um, the Port Phillip um, Island Whale Festival. Dave, thank you very much for getting on. Any last, Any sort of recent sightings that you want to mention quickly? Oh, look, we had a first, first newborn southern white whale calf uh, about three days ago oh. down off uh, Port Campbell, oh. and it's made its way to Warrnambool. So critically endangered subpopulation of this species. Every calf means 
so much to the to the population. We just hope that it's uh, a good one and survives, and that we see many more for the season. So, uh, looking forward to the recovery of the southern right whales. Uh, hopefully, as much as the humpbacks, if we're if we're really lucky. That's right, um, Dave. Thank you very much, um, and good luck for next weekend with the um, Phillip Island Whale Festival. That's Dave Donnelly from um, Killer Whales Australia, and you're on Radio Marinara on Three Triple R. Uh, this morning in the studio, we're very lucky to be joined by um, the Mission to Seafarers, and we have its CEO, who is um, Philip Cornish. Good morning, Philip. How are you going? Good morning, and happy Seafarers Day for yesterday. Oh, oh, oh really? <laughs> How we, did we do that? I, 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 <laughs> How did Jim not tell us? I don't, I don't know. We have like a seafarers theme show this morning, and we just have a look at it. Out. Uh, well, I was telling before, like, um, as a little boy, we always used to drive past that building. Oh, that crazy uh, building we're in. Yeah, oh, and <laughs> it's got so much mystique and uh, mystery in that. And then the other week, we were we just wandered in for a beer there yep. late one night, and uh, it was so welcoming. It was so quiet. There was a few seafarers around there, yep. off, obviously off the ships. But tell us the history about that building. Um, well, it was built in 1917, uh, replacing two previous missions, one at Williamstown, which was quite a busy port last century, well, the century before, uh, and uh, the one at Port Melbourne. And... When I say where I work, people always say, a little bit like yourself, I've always wondered what that yes. quirky building was about. <laughs> um, and because it was a church building, it was designed, obviously, by a committee. So it's got <laughs> a Spanish mission style, and the people who know more about architecture also say it's got an overlap with the decorative arts movement in Melbourne at the time, and it's got a little bit of a Tudor crossover. So yeah. a little bit of everything. Um but our crowning glory, of course, used to be our weather vane, beautiful copper weather vane, 1.6 metres high, um, one metre across, billowing sail uh, cast of a galleon ship um, going going off to sea and someone got up and sawed it off. So Was that at the time when a lot of copper was going missing in Melbourne? That was absolutely the time. And one of our... Bastards, so it was just yeah. for the copper. But it just seems too much effort just for the value of the copper. Surely someone's got that as an artwork hidden away somewhere. Well, we're hoping. One of our supporters has put up $10,000 reward, and I can't remember our phone number, but ring in if you've got... <laughs> if, you, if you see someone putting that up on their roof uh, in uh, northern Melbourne. Um, but we're hoping it's that's what's happened to yeah. it. Because it would only be worth maybe 100 bucks if... In scrap, yeah. Yep. So, um, so that's really disappointing. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the bar. Yeah, yeah. No, as I said, it, it just was right because we could catch up. But um, you haven't had seafarers there at the moment, have you? Like, well, they're just come, starting to They've come back. Started to come back, uh, and one of our big issues has been visiting ships. Mm-hmm. Um, and about two months ago, the first guys actually came off the boat, and as it happens, it was a mixed crew, Russian and Ukrainian, uh, and so the First people drinking back in our beer garden were Ukrainians. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Russians looked, together, or yeah. Well, they get a different news feed. Um, yeah. So, but I've got to say, most of the people who come in are Filipino background. Yeah. So, forty percent of international seafarers are Filipino. About twelve to fourteen percent are Russian and Ukrainian. So, you were saying that's the first time you've had people back in the bar. Have, when ships have been coming in, is everyone just having to stay on board the ship due to COVID protocols? Is that's what's well, happened? Well, yeah, 
Yeah. So there was... Um, Geez, they would have been excited to get to seafarers, wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, I've got, got to say, the Ukrainian guys just look weary. But, yeah, a lot of them were pretty excited. We had a guy from uh, the Philippines a couple of days ago who had Chief Cook written over his back eating takeaway in our bar. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what are you doing? That doesn't say much for your cooking. Um, so he just laughed. They're very pleased to be off. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's a practical example. We have little shuttle buses that pick people up. They've only got a few hours these days. We were built at a time when people were there for days or hours. Um, and they come in, they like a bit of takeaway food. They can't get that on board. They love to do a bit of shopping for I loved saw ones. That. Yes. Yeah, they off to the DFA. Yeah. And look, if you. Yeah. yeah. And if you've been locked, if you haven't been able to see your family for 12 months, coming back with some gifts is really important for people. Um, and that's why we switched to do shopping for them for a couple of years, but we're now moving back into onboard ship visiting. Unfortunately, some of the ship owners are still not letting people off. Mm. So we had to navigate between the federal government department, the state health and ship owners but we've, and the port authorities. But, you know, we're there now, but some of the ship owners are being a bit recalcitrant. So, so do you, Philip, at... at Mission to Seafarers, the organisation, do you lobby on behalf of seafarers to the shipping companies in that example to get them off? Yeah, we do. Um, We lobby to them directly, but also with assistance of the Maritime Unions, International Transport Federation uh, and local affiliates, as well as AMSA, which, of course, you know is the Australian Maritime Safety Authority, which has responsibility for health and welfare under the International Maritime Convention. And uh, the seafarers not being let off the ships through an abundance of caution by the ship owners, like the possibility of bringing COVID back onto the ship, is yeah, that why? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, of course, we had the Princess Cruise uh, disaster here. We have to have a border force clearance to get on to visit people. I was going to say, how do they do they have to go through customs to get off? There's a special, yeah. special mini passport, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a problem for them because not all currency exchange places recognise it they're all paid in US dollars Mm -hmm. because that's the international currency effectively Um, although Jim was saying he was talking to some people who only had yuan from China Um, but they're they're paid in US currency so it means they have to present because of anti-money laundering laws they get caught up a little bit with trying to pay for things Mm -hmm. on shore because they don't have a visa card on a ship yeah you know um, so, you know, that's an issue for them. Now, was the um, the mission open to the general public in the past or is this just a new thing that you've uh, brought in? We've always been open mm-hmm. um, because, of course, in the old days, where we face now is the shining capitalist towers. But <laughs> used to be where there were sailors' homes, yeah. businesses associated with the wharf and um, railway lines. Yep. So that's why we face out the wrong way, um, if you like, because there was a wharf behind us as well. And you are getting built around now with heights. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. So in fact, that funny dome shape, mm-hmm. that's an old gym. Okay. So the guys, uh, under our constitution, we have to try and keep the boys out of mischief. It's described <laughs> as promoting morals. Yes. Um, we're a little Anglican church network. There's 230 of us around the world. Um, but one of the things the Ladies Guild did was actually build that 
and the boys would practice on their ropes because they still had to go up and down ropes. Oh, wow. Because uh, they might be in port for a couple of weeks and they needed to keep their physical yeah. regime up. But they also used to run social events. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was talking to a lady, Heather, at church. Used to be bussed down for Saturday night dances and she told me a line that one of the seafarers had told her. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. <laughs> is it clean? <laughs> he, he was a Brazilian man. This is talking to a, to a schoolgirl. He was a Brazilian man who he said that in Brazil it's a full moon every night and you should come back with me to visit. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert. She didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Philip, you did mention before entertaining the boys. You used the expression "boys," and as as I was, yeah, you know, kind of thinking about having you on the show. I think mission to seafarers and seamen. I was going to use that word, but it it it's always blokes. It's always it, there are two percent of seafarers now are women. Yeah, it's a rapidly growing proportion, but it's difficult for some people in places like the Philippines and Ukraine to actually combine that with traditional roles. Um, so they tend not to be, but they, I have seen them as pilot boat crew down in Hobart recently. Um, and listening to Jim, I've actually been invited out to a pilot boat, uh, which I haven't responded to yet. Oh, okay, oh. I'll, I'll go on your behalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe one of you guys could go. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, so there are, they are moving in, um, but it's only still 2%. So we did change our name to reflect that change, and we are promoting that. And one of our two chaplains who's got a Burmese background, um, she, she's, you know, obviously a woman, and the other chap is Filipino background, so he can speak the languages of most of the okay. sailors who come. Mm-hmm. Philip, I've got, I've got one last question before, and unfortunately we're running out of time soon, but... Um, I was in Gladstone recently, big shipping port up there. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne's a big port as well. And I know that there is a group up at Mission to Seafarers have a, a node, I guess you might call it, or, or a whole group up there. Um, in fact, a friend of ours, my acquaintance, was bussing the, the boys yeah, yeah, around yeah. when they come in yep. and get them tours and all of that. Do you have affiliations with the Mission to Seafarers in different ports around the country? We do, and around the world. So we've got 200. We're all constitutionally uh, constituted separately, but we... We affiliate with each other, but there are other ones run by Stella Maris, the Roman Catholics, and the Lutherans and the Baltic, and they're independent ones. There's about 700 of these sorts of missions of various types around the world, and we all look after people irrespective of creed. Not a lot of church-going Anglicans coming on board from Russia or Mm. Philippines these days. Um, And it's a very, even though we talk about the chaplain, it's very targeted at their needs to really deal with them at the time. Um, so, yeah. And are you funded? That, 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 that makes me Ooh. ask myself, where do you get your funding from? <laughs> well, yeah. help us with a bar proceeds would be good. Um, <laughs> there you go. All right, we, get we, down there. We do get little bits of sponsorship. We've got our big fundraiser coming up in Art Show, but um, they're not voters, frankly. So mm. we don't attract a lot of um, support. But under the International Maritime Convention... We are obliged to look after the sailors when they come in uh, and we get a little bit of funding. We could do with a lot more. Uh, We scrape and save. And the building, albeit we love it, does have substantial overhead. So it's a complex arrangement between us and the state government because we're on Crown land. Um, So 
And it would be a heritage building, I imagine. It's a heritage building, so it makes it very complex and um, disability access isn't, isn't good. Yeah. We do have our gun safe, of course. Gun safe. A gun safe. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Well, of course, in the old days, the captains would check their guns when they came on shore. Um, we all think that pirates are about, you know, strong rum punch and uh, going ah. And we, um, but in fact, they're still a still a problem. And of course, in those days, 1917, it was World War One. They oh, needed guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you encourage, yeah, the local uh, to come down and have a drink? The local should come down. We are available for hire. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who wants to get married, come down. Um, don't care if you've already been married or still married. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've actually got a burlesque pirate show running at the moment <laughs> <laughs> who, who hire us out. Uh, I use unparliamentary language and don't take the kiddies, but it is a bit of fun as well. So. <laughs> there is also sea shanties down there on a there Thursday night. There are sea shanties. <laughs> yeah, so, so get on down for that. Yeah, collective karaoke singing to shanties. Yeah. So, no, it, they have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have to get them on the show one week. So, yeah. We sure will. And, Philip, I want you to um, use Radio Mar-as, Marinara as much as you can to, um, to, to raise funds for the, yeah, the mission yeah. to seafarers. It's, yeah. a, it, it's a wonderful thing. So if people do want to donate, um, if they've got a bit of spare cash around, they're thinking this is a good cause, I want to give some money to Philip, um, how do they do that? <laughs> uh, well, giving them a mission is probably better than me. So um, on the website we do have some information there about making donations. Um, so that is mission to seafarers.org. Uh, oh god! Well, yeah, mission to seafarers in your favourite search, search engine yeah, will yeah, bring yeah. it up. It yep. brings it up pretty straight. And we're technically the mission to seafarers Victoria. Cool. Top of Flinders Street. There, go and have a drink. Uh, rent it out for your next wedding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all those sorts of things. Philip Cornish from uh, Mission to Seafarers. Thank you very much for joining us today on Radio Marinara. It's been a complete pleasure having you here. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. G'day, John Clark here. When I want to learn about all things wet and salty, which is a pretty much constant desire on my part, I tune into Radio Marinara Sunday mornings at 9am on 102.7 3RRR. Uh, yes, you are on Radio Marinara. And that was the still, my God, very much Miss John Clark. Nerd, that almost brings a tear to my eye. Uh, God bless John Clark. Um, God bless um, the Werribee River Association. Uh, we are joined this morning in the studio by Jess Fairfax and by John Forrester, who is the um, the Werribee River Keeper, to tell us about what's happening down the Werribee River and to um, Spruik Pot La- um, Plastic Free July, which is coming up. Welcome, Jess. Welcome, John. Thank you very much Thank for you, having Pete. us. <laughs> Um, Werribee River doing a wonderful job. The Werribee River Association, I think of Werribee River as being something which has got a large catchment. There's a lot of um, new development happening in that part of Melbourne at the moment. There's got to be at least a lot of stormwater. There's lots of other junk which is going down into the Werribee River. How's it going down there? Well, we have, um, we've been working since 1981 on the Werribee River and about since uh, the late 1990s we've been working on things like litter and rubbish and all those topics you've mentioned things like gross pollutant traps trying to get those working well and and then cleaning up the mess of the bits that do come through despite the good old gross pollutant traps etc and and the whole range of stuff that comes out in the river is just fan well not fantastic but immense yeah, ast- ast- yeah. the range is immense astounding yeah yeah and many of our listeners will be involved with the the association or, or going on the many days where you have cleanup events i've seen on your website and we've heard about yeah. it on this station as well um, the clean-up events that you have. Jess, how's all that going? 
Good, yeah. So we've got four litter groups that work um, monthly. So we have one pretty much every weekend in Hoppers Crossing, in Werribee, in Wyndham Vale Manor Lakes, um, Werribee South, um, down at the beach there, the Beach Patrol. So, um, yeah, if people are looking to get involved and you're down in the West, um, please jump on our website because, yeah, there's pretty much something happening every weekend. Um, and then we've also got our land care programs, which also happen um weekly um, in different areas so that's about revegetating so yeah trying to trying to get the rubbish out the river trying to plant some stuff to stop rubbish going in and create habitat so yeah lots going on and and Jess we also have a whole lot of individual champions not just members of some of those groups who work seven days a week you know retired people and so on to get out there and have a go themselves and report back to Lisa who's our business and community manager and or Jess or I and and that adds to our data and our stats. I just wanted to ask if someone does join you for some of these activities what's what's involved what are they going to be doing how much fun are they going to be having? Oh it's so much fun (laughs) (laughs) you don't even need to ask that no it's like it's a really incredible community um really passionate volunteers that um yeah get out pretty much every week and you know picking up rubbish is much more fun in a group of people and there's kids there's you know seniors there's everything in between there's dogs so um yeah you mean you know we're doing something good we're out by the river which is absolutely stunning and you know one of my the, my favorite reasons for living out in Werribee is the incredible river so being out there you know every week and trying to do a bit of good as well but with an awesome community it's pretty special I'd, I'll mention also down at Wyndham Cove uh, a harbour bit east of that okay or so we were at Crawford Road last weekend pouring with rain heavy drizzle wet cold but it was just great fun just doing the work picking all the stuff up well we picked up 400 kilograms worth of junk plastic rubbish wood steel you Mm. name it and this is all along the edges bottles i think i just counted again this morning uh, and some of my stuff here Uh, we had uh, 500 drink containers that we picked up because this is a popular drinking spot is there some way that you can um uh, is is Awareness being raised through the public that people shouldn't be doing this because you, I mean, it sounds like you're doing this all the time. Mm. That, 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 that it's kind of like, well, it gets cleared yeah. up and it gets people just keep chucking more stuff up down. Definitely. So we're, you know, dealing with the rubbish that's ended up in the river. And part of my role, I've just come on as sustainability project officer. So it is doing all of those education campaigns in the community about kind of trying to one, adopt a more zero waste lifestyle so that there's less stuff. Um, But also, yeah, you know, just going, if you put something on if you leave something there and it rains, it's going to go down the stormwater drain and it's going to end up in the river and then it's going to end up in the sea. And, you know, obviously that's going to affect the the flora and fauna around there, but it's also affecting us. And there's studies that there's microplastics now in our lungs. So, you know, it's for our own health, it's for environmental health, you know, and it's trying to get those messages across. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of work in that being happening with Werribee River Association, also with Wyndham City Council, um, just trying to, yes, yeah, stop it <laughs> ending up in the river so we don't have to pick up 400 kilos of rubbish. And, and the, the next thing we do, of course, we work on a different level and that's the higher advocacy type relationship thing with state government organisations and so forth. So we've been working just in the last year and a half or so with the EPA on a couple of matters and just looking at uh, 
all of the things that should happen and that the EPA, for example, doesn't know does happen, yeah. you know, what the community thinks of what's, what's waste and what's pollution and do their processes work properly. And so they listen to us and hopefully they're changing for the better. But, of course, they also need people like the state government to do something about that. The EPA is only a, a fallible sort of a body with a mm. limited budget and a limited number of staff, so we can criticise the EPA, but it's generally constructive criticism aimed at trying to get some movement from government to do something. And you're actually doing something as well, moving into plastic-free July, which we are now at the end of June. Um, next weekend, you've got a... Yeah, and so this is sort of goes into that, like, community education stuff, and um, we are having a potluck and plastic-free party, so um, the Orb Weavers will be there who... Wonderful. You know, they've written a whole album on Melbourne's yeah. Western <laughs> Volcanic Plains and Waterways. Uh, Amazing. Um, and so they'll be performing, and we're just asking everyone if they can, if they're in a position to do so, to bring some food to share, but we'll also have a big soup pot going, so there's plenty of food for everybody. Um, and yeah, just trying to, you know, talk about plastic free and how we can adopt these, um, you know, ways of life. And one of the volunteers yesterday said, oh, since signing up to that event, I've stopped going to um, the drawer and pulling out the glad wrap and trying to think about, oh, what can I use instead? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, that's what we want to hear. So, you know, that goes to that community education element and trying to avoid before, you know, it does end up in the river and in our lungs. What's, what's the potluck part? of the um, event. Potluck. So I guess, I don't know where that term comes from, but I guess it's that idea of everybody brings a dish and it's potluck. You don't know what, yeah. what you're going to get. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. So, um, and you know, some people might not bring one, some people might bring one, but that's fine. It's just whatever's on the table and we share it. And so people want to get along to that? Do they have to get tickets or are they just um, It up? is free. Um, it's happening at the Wongaril Dorang Community Centre in Wyndham Vale. Um, so you can, uh, yeah, get onto werribeeriver.org.au, our website, and find out more on Facebook. Um, and, yeah, we hope to see you down there. Yep. Um, yeah, great. I'm trying really to get down there as well. In fact, I am going to down there. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Jess, Fairfa Jess Fairfax yeah, and John Forrester from the Werribee River Association for joining us today on Radio Marinara. Uh, thanks very much to um, Philip Cornish from Mission to Seafarers. Thanks to Jim Walsh from the Tugboats for joining us today. Uh, thanks very much to Narrative Panelling and thank you, Cade, and thank you, Cabin Boy, for joining us in the studio today. Um, we'll see you next week on next week's show. Bron's still going to be away on a little bit of a little bit of a break, and we've got Cade, I think, and we've got Ant on Anne. the show. Yep. Yep. Um, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. This has been Radio Marinara. We've got the doctors coming up next. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.